Put on your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch because it's cellar time. Welcome to the crack cellar, as the prophecy was once foretold. I'm T Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I'm Fat nickel under. I can't do it. I don't know what fat. How do you put Undertaker and nickel together? <laughs> <laughs> the nickel taker. I thought about that initially, and I was like, "That's lame. That doesn't even make sense." I, you got to do something better than that. The dead nickel um, under has to be in there <laughs> to make you know. I mean, yeah, no one's going no to get it. Yeah, no, I don't think there's like a natural combination. With your name and the Undertaker's name, you know, nickel plate with shovel. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and uh, broadcaster, as you know, it is the year 2024 of our Lord, and with that, we have a new rating system. This time, it's my turn, broadcaster. You sullied our reputation with the Mister Satan rating system that couldn't have been more of a beautiful disaster. As yeah. 311 would put it, it was a beautiful disaster. And, uh, well, they also said it was the color of their energy as well. So you have to understand. There are definitely some amber undertones to your video feed. So I, I definitely can see that. Some amber, you're right. <laughs> Can't argue that. <laughs> I need a 311 poster back here, dude. You're right. I'm missing the, I'm missing the plot. Unreal. Indeed. But um, today we transition to the new 80s slasher rating system in which we will rate all of our reviews on the greatest horror movie villains of the 80s. And uh, first up is our S-rank broadcaster. I know you won't disagree with this one. He's the man, the myth, the legend, sometimes talked about as a pedophile, but we don't go there because... That's not canon, okay? That's not canon. And uh, that would be Freddy Krueger, broadcaster Nichols. Uh, what, what say you with the S-rank Freddy Krueger? Do you agree with Definitely that? Definitely pedophile. Oh, hey, yeah. Listen, dude. Yeah, Come on sure. now. <laughs> Definitely. We're supposed, to go, we're supposed to go that far, all right? Absolutely. <laughs> are you saying, what are you saying absolutely to right now? That's what I need to know. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I mean... I had pinheads. I almost want to say pinhead just because he always seemed like the villain mm-hmm. that was like, you know, you look at Berserk and you like the God hand. Yeah. And you got, you got yeah, like void no doubt. overruling the rest of them. I always got the Hellraiser void vibe, you know, it's like Hellraiser ain't below anybody for sure. Not fucking Freddy Krueger. Right. He's fucking the master of the labyrinth, dude. Freddy Krueger doesn't even. No doubt. No doubt. I look at, I look at Freddy Krueger and Pinhead in almost the exact same way I look at FF6 and FF7. They're 1A and 1B to me. And depending on the day, what side of the bed I wake up on, I might consider one over the other. 
So when I put Freddy Krueger as the S rank, I really I did like sort of I pained I, I pained about it a little bit. You know, it's hard for me to put Pinhead below someone, as you said. It's hard to put Pinhead below anyone. Yeah. Well, just by the nature of his character, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. not putting aside like the quality of all the villains' films, I feel it's like Pinhead is always archetype wise definitely above them all he's the ringleader he's the fucking hell priest yeah like it's uh it's tough but freddy krueger specifically got done dirty later on in his life though so it's kind of hard to look at krueger but it's it's important to understand with this rating system we're talking 80s only so anything from the 90s the 2000s that doesn't count this whole rating system is based on their presence within the 80s okay We can't do Freddy Krueger went to space? No, 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 <laughs> I mean, none of that. I mean, sorry, it wasn't Freddy. It was it Jason was, X. Uh, Jason yeah, it was X. Jason X. <laughs> and uh, yes, he went up and I think he killed Olivia Munn in space or something like that. I don't remember. Nah, check, not nearly as hard as Olivia Munn. We <laughs> did see her tease, I'm pretty sure, before she got yeah. taken out. Yeah, I think The Rock showed up at one point. I don't fucking know anymore. It's all blur. Um, but the, the reason, it's just... Freddy Krueger's so pinnacle to me becoming interested in horror in the 80s. He had it all. He had the most sinister look. The burn victim look was super sinister back in the day. He had the claw. The claw is one of the most iconic horror weapons of all time, period, bar none. And he had a sense of fucking humor. So there's going to be another person on this list later down that also has a, a sense of humor, but he doesn't have any of the other shit that Freddie has. Freddie is the total package, the total deal. And every nightmare on Elm street that came out in the eighties is solid fucking gold. The original number two, number three, dream warriors. Like we're talking about S tier horror movies. So there were no bad Freddy Krueger movies in the eighties. So for me, he's got to take the top spot. But now (laughs) we get to a rank. Obviously, it's Pinhead. Again, Pinhead. No bad Hellraiser movies in the 80s. It was only Hellraiser 1 and 2. 3 came out in the 90s, like I think 91 or something. Hellraiser 1 and 2 are both fucking works of art. They are stunning. They... I actually like the Hellraiser 1 and 2 movies more than I like Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 2. But... We're not talking about the quality of the movie here. We're talking about the actual fullness of the villain. And Pinhead does not have a sense of humor. He does what? not have a cool weapon. Dude. What he, he has so... is foreboding personality and a fucking... He has a crew behind him. He's got the, the chitterer guy. Like, he's got the bitch with the he fucking just... folded out skin. Uh, he's got a crew. He's got a posse. And he is Dude, one of the most evil-looking. They're they're quips. They're not jokes. It's it's. I mean, they're pretty solid quips. <laughs> yeah, but the thi- but dude, Freddy Krueger would would make dick jokes right before he cut you in half in your dreams. You know what I mean? Like he had a special energy, Freddy Krueger. Pinhead doesn't yeah. have that. Pinhead's serious. Pinhead is he's he's seeking communion with the Leviathan. All right, this is totally right, different dude. shit. But again. <laughs> 1A and 1B. (laughs) 1A and 1B, man. It's tough as hell for me, but I I just think that Pinhead is slightly lacking in the personality department where Freddy Krueger is like a 10 out of 10 personality. I'm going to give Pinhead more of an 8 out of 10 personality. 
just slightly gets edged out for me. But that being said, I think this is all just based on actors. <clears throat> hmm. Freddy Krueger's actor is Ooh. amazing. You, I mean, if you could, if you stack Freddy Krueger's actor to all of the iconic horror villains, he was the best. He was, and he and he was kind of as a character, kind of designed to be more of a personality because he was. If you think really hard about it, he was the only villain that kind of was allowed to have. Uh, well, he was an adult classic villain played by a male mm-hmm. that was allowed to have a face. Like, like about this, Jason they Voorhees. They fucked his face masked, up, but yeah, he had it. But you still saw his eyes and his mouth and a nose. Like, mm-hmm. he had a personality yeah. that you could, like, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, even Chucky, because he was a doll, you know. No doubt. They they all kind of you can't really get good acting out of those roles just because they're kind of, they they put the bag over their head essentially, you know? It's kind of hard, especially for yep. those times. Now, mm-hmm. you could argue with state of the art, you know, cinematography and shit, you don't need your face on a on a role cuz of Mar, you know, everyone yeah. points to Marvel and shit like that. But nonetheless, you get what I'm saying. No, Freddy I... kind of shine because of that. Yeah, you might be right. Like in terms of horror actors, Robert England and Doug Bradley are definitely my two favorite horror actors of all time. And they're Pinhead and Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Now, when we get down to the bottom third, the bottom two thirds of this list, there is going to be a theme. And the theme is, is they're not great actors. They are covered in masks or they're a doll. Exactly what you're saying. So I think you do have a good point there. But when you compare the movie quality of Nightmare on Elm Street and Hellraiser to some of these other villains that we're going to talk about, the quality isn't the same either. Like Hellraiser and Nightmare on Elm Street had straight up hitters in the eighties. Yeah. A couple, a couple of these ones we're going to talk about had some. I'm going to, I'm going to define before we even get to the first, because I, I kind of feel like I, I think I know where this is going. You're going to throw quality wise, some shade at Friday mm-hmm. the 13th in comparison mm-hmm. to some of these. But I will defend Friday the 13th and say Friday the 13th was kind of meant to be a very, very low-budget horror movie for the time that was filmed. Mm-hmm. I think at the time it was with, like, a college-like crew. Yeah. Like, all the people yep. that were on that movie set were, like, pretty much getting paid dick. Yeah. A lot of those early 80s, late 70s horror movies were like that. They were on a shoestring budget with a bunch of college kids. A lot of them were. But uh, I kind of liked Friday the 13th, the first one, because I loved the raw grind of that. Just Yeah. Well, all right. Wait. You know what? Let's go ahead and transition to our fucking our B rank then. So we got we got Freddy Krueger to S. We got Pinhead at A. And then we got Jason Voorhees at B. And a lot of people will put Jason number one. One of my best friends is the biggest Jason Voorhees fan on the planet. He has posters everywhere Friday the 13th. Like, he is obsessed with Jason Voorhees. He would kill me for putting him at a B rank in the middle. Now, yeah. this, and you've already hinted at this, there are a few reasons why I don't see him in the same category as Freddy Krueger and Pinhead. First of all, Hockey Mask. Hockey Mask is sick as fuck. It's iconic. It's cool. But he doesn't really have a face. And I know there's going to be some Friday the 13th nerds who be like, oh, no, in Friday the 13th, part six, he takes off the mask and you see his spaghetti head 
from waterlogged sitting at the bottom of Crystal Lake for 50 years. Okay, I get it. There is one point where you see his face, but for the most part, he's behind a hockey mask. Okay. Also, and this is the most damning thing for me. Friday the 13th 1 does not have Jason in it. Jason is not in the original movie of his fucking franchise. His mom is the villain in Friday the 13th Part 1. His mom. Jason is just a folktale in that movie. Oh, the kid drowned in the lake and blah, blah, blah. He's not in it. It's not his movie. So it's it's tough for me to really put him in that sort of air when he isn't even in his own original movie. Could you imagine if the original Hellraiser didn't have Pinhead? If the original Nightmare on Elm Street didn't have Freddy Krueger? Fuck no. They made those movies. Especially Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, you can make an argument with Hellraiser. Pinhead doesn't appear until the very fucking end. But when he does appear, holy fucking shit. Um, Yeah. But again, like, I'm going to defend it because, you know, they were just trying to make a horror movie on such a little budget. And, like, they didn't even know Jason Voorhees was going to be a thing. They kind of, Mm -hmm. like, birthed him in the first movie. They birthed the idea of him. But, the see, the thing is, is... uh, Friday the 13th part one is not a supernatural horror movie. And I think I kind of forgot to say this early on when I was kind of sort of establishing what this tier list really is. Not only is it 80s horror villains, but only supernatural 80s horror villains. So every single person on this list is not, this isn't Scream. We're not going to have a ghost face. This is supernatural horror. And what's Michael Myers supernatural well, that's, we're going to get to that. There, there, there's a reason why I have him low on the list. Uh, <laughs> I, was say, I didn't even know he was supernatural. Well, it's a debate. It's a fucking debate. It's a debate. But he, in certain movies, he appears to be supernatural. In other movies, he appears not to be. And this is another reason why I have him low. But anyway, back to Jason. The reason I have him in the middle of the list is because he is sick as fuck. His hockey mask is awesome. His machete is fucking awesome. It's iconic. He has one of the greatest horror movie video games of all time in the Friday the 13th video game for the NES. That is straight up to this day, one of the greatest horror video games of all time. There's a lot of things going for Jason. He's iconic. Most people put him number one. But as I said, I I just, there's a few little nagging problems for me. I think he's the most picturesque mm-hmm. out of all of them. Yeah. Like if you were to put all the villains together in like a mugshot lineup, you know, mm-hmm. Jason is like right there, like with not too grotesque looking. So he can be like in malls and stuff and not be censored. Mm-hmm. He's still a horror villain. He still looks menacing. He looks, he's like the Terminator of the horror seer of universe, you know, he's like, or is Michael bigger. Myers. See here. And again, this is, I kind of have a little cross-pollination bias against Michael Myers and Jason for the same reason, is that they both mm. sort of have the same identity, but Jason does it better. You just called him the Terminator of horror movies. A lot of people would say the same thing about Michael Myers. <laughs> I know, it's tough. You weren't thinking about it before like that, but now you're like, oh shit, he's right. <laughs> They do have well, the kind of the same identity. See, I think Michael, like out of all these guys, I think Michael Myers is like the most sly comedic one of them all. Because he's the one. What? Like, all, 
Yeah, because all of his all of his <laughs> oh, movies shit. are always just based on him just kind of like beating everybody just because <laughs> you know he's like mm-hmm. got there before you did, bitch. Because he's like grabbed my mask before anyone saw me, bitch. Just like mm-hmm. all this stuff. Like it all kind of just seems like this weird. I'm just better than you, and I'm gonna kill you. There's no real explanation of Michael Myers' character like the rest of them, like with Chucky mm-hmm. soul being trapped in a doll and seeking yeah. vengeance and just murdering people. You got uh, Jason Voorhees' mom tortured him his whole life, and then he became a fucking trap soul and you know started wanting to murder fucking college kids or whatever. I forgot how exactly it went, but it was well, no, no, like- no. The way it went is. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Jason drowned in the lake because the camp counselors were busy fucking on the beach while they're supposed to be watching the kids in the lake. So Jason too. drowns in the lake because, you know, some college kids are fucking, you know, coming in each other. They let the autistic fucking yeah. kid drown in the lake. while Exactly. Fucking. Exactly. It's, it's a story of our time for sure. And, uh, that, that's where the supernatural thing comes in with Jason. And there's a reason for it. Jason actually is totally supernatural. He is a dead person who came back to life to fucking kill college kids that let, that were fucking while he died. That's his backstory, right? Grant me strength to come back and I will kill (laughs) all of these college kids. Right, dude. (laughs) Honestly, you could make it, you could make an argument that, um, Jason Voorhees is a strong Christian warrior. He's coming and killing all the fornicators for Jesus. So it's so Sodom Gomorrah, dude. He this is had it going. straight up. He was, got, yeah. he was the fire rain, dude. He came down <laughs> or yeah. from back up. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, I guess it's really just a perspective because like all these characters got nerfed. You know, like like you're talking about the A's, but it's hard to remove. It's like like talking about like games like Magic the Gathering. Like if you're an old school player, you just know about all these OP cards and the game was just different. And now the games like LGBTQ plus five A, you know, so it's all Mm -hmm. different, you know, so it's like, oh, all you just got to forget about all that. It's like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, Chucky. I can't. It's hard to think about Chucky now. You know, it's really hard to think about. And and that leads us to our C rank. Yeah. Chucky. Uh, so Chucky's a really interesting one. I loved Chucky. I mean, I loved all these guys. Let's let's be real honest about it. This whole list, I love every single one of these villains, and I loved all of these movies. So it's like really picking between your kids, if we're being honest about it. But you got to pick losers. And <laughs> in this family, Chucky <laughs> is one of the losers. Uh, it's not that he's really a loser. It's just he's really mid. Like, he, he has a few really good qualities. Now, he has the the sense of humor, fucking chef's kiss with Chucky, just like Freddy Krueger. He's got that element, the perfect sense of humor. Some of Chucky's one-liners are just legendary in the original trilogy. And even in the newer Chucky movies, there's some good shit in those newer ones. In fact, I would say that Chucky has held up since the yeah. 80s better than the any of these actor. guys have. The voice actor is really, he's funny. Yeah, Brad Dorff. His- he Who, delivers by the way, bitch really good. He you does. Dumb bitch. <laughs> and and yeah, by the way, really <laughs> he plays a character in Star Trek Voyager for you nerds out there that want to yeah. watch some sci-fi and see Chucky in space being a psychopath as a human. He plays a psychotic lieutenant in Star Trek Voyager. And like, dude, he's the best part of that fucking show in the early seasons, dude. Brad Dorf carries that bitch. Uh... He's a great actor, though, and he's still voice acting Chucky in the TV series, which I have not watched the new season of Chucky. I heard it wasn't great, so I'm sort of putting it off. But uh, 
I mean, yeah. we did that first season. And yeah, it, was, it, was all right. yeah. it was all right, but I mean, I could already see the writing on the wall with that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the reason I get Chucky down to, to the the C category, it's because other than comedy, other than the comedic aspects of Chucky, there's some L's. Like the the it, it's the bride abs- of Chucky. Okay, the bride of Chucky is a huge L. That movie sucked so hard, and it it just became after Child's Play two. The first two were really good movies. Child's Play 3, I like it, but when I objectively look back on it, it was not a good movie. And it just was like the sort of what he did, it stopped becoming slasher and it started to become evil magic eight ball. The way he did horror in those movies, like he would sort of create like Twilight Zone-y, Outer Limits-y sort of situations for human characters. And it, it just, it wasn't really what we're talking about. When we talk about Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger, they were yeah. they were slashing. They were killing people. The horror came from them. With Chucky towards the end, it, start, it almost became like Home Alone, where he was like setting up traps for people. And like, it just, yeah. it wasn't really the same. And, there's an absurdity. There's a level of absurdity with Chucky that's hard to overcome. The whole talking doll killing people thing. I think all of these villains only have a, a certain amount of novelty to them until mm-hmm. you run, they naturally run dry. And I think Chucky just had a very limited amount. Him yeah. being just a a doll that kind of kind of got surprised humans by just like being in a closet with a bunch of other dolls surprise this one's alive with a knife you mm-hmm. know like you only see that so many times yeah so, yeah i think there was a lot of that but you know when i was younger i remember constantly getting problem child and child's play mixed up ah yeah at the, at the video what they call that the tv guide i'd be like oh shit problem child's on but in my it was try it was a child's play but in my mind i was like oh problem child click and i be scared because I was a little kid. I'd be like, fuck this. <laughs> but it was funny because you could almost like in, mm-hmm. a, in a Mandela type effect, you know, with the Sinbad uh, Shazam yep. movie, mm-hmm. you can almost tie Problem Child and Child's Play together in a weird way because like problem child, the kid is the kid that died and became Chucky. <laughs> you know, they kind of look similar. They act similar. They're kind of, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do know what you're yeah. saying. And, and that's sort of what I was getting at with the way that Chucky's identity sort of becomes mixed with uh, home alone a little bit in terms of like how he inflicts horror problem child does the same way in a PG way. Like if you if you yeah. watch the problem child movies, it's pretty much like Home Alone, but a little bit more sinister and a little bit more. I'm yeah. sending my troubled child to the Utah desert for 90 days to set him straight. Yeah, that movie, those, you know, I use this term sometimes because when I want to describe something that feels alien to me and I can't really put a finger on like a gas leak is in the room and mm-hmm. no one knows it and everyone's kind of getting fucking high off gas. Yeah, that those problem child movies have a lot of scenes. I don't know what it is like there's scenes in those movies where they're using certain color block schemes and everyone's wearing goofy colors and stuff like that. 
and even as a child i would look at it and i'd just be like this makes me uncomfortable the scene just it's supposed to be a funny scene but all these people are scaring me for some reason. I don't know why. Like they're lizard people. Mm-hmm. No, Anyways. definitely that. Those <laughs> movies. A lot of movies from the '90s had that issue. Actually, there's a weird yeah. thing with early '90s movies where they all had that element you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, I anyway. mean, Chucky, Chucky's eye. But like, you know, he's kind of like the fucking. He's kind of the joke of the '80s slasher villains. You know what I mean? Like, if you have to say like one's a joke. It's pretty much him, but that's not to say there isn't anything worse. And I know this is going to be controversial as hell. I saw it and I was like, damn, but Michael Myers is one of the worst horror villains of all time. He's not scary. He's not. He has no physical presence. The thing, the thing with Halloween is that. And he killed LL Cool J guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, fucking. (laughs) Did he? Or did LL Cool J survive? Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. How Speaking old, of Mandela H- effect, who knows? In H2O, right? That was LL Cool J. The, the that was LL Cool J. I'm pretty sure he died in it, but maybe okay. maybe not. <laughs> who knows? It's been a long anyway. time since I saw that movie. The thing with Michael Myers is that he doesn't talk. He has no personality. There's no sense of humor. He has a very boring weapon. It's a kitchen knife. It's like the shitty version of Jason Voorhees. I will make the argument that essentially Michael Myers is just the shitty version of Jason Voorhees. He has a mask on that's worse. He has a fucking spray-painted William Shatner mask on. Worse than the hockey mask. He has a smaller, shittier knife. And he does the same act. He's spooky. He's stoic. He doesn't talk. He does jump scares. You don't think he's there and then he's there. And well, I'm just not impressed too much with Michael Myers. The the coolest thing about the Halloween movies, in my opinion, is the sort of sound effect that he makes when he's nearby, but he hasn't revealed himself yet. He does a sort of like he does this like sort of noise and he stopped doing that in the newer ones. But if you listen to like the older Halloween movies, there is this little noise he used to do, which was the only part that I really found that scary. Other than that, Michael Myers is just a dope. He's a fucking dude from an insane asylum. He's autistic, most likely, and just, like, wants his mom's love and thinks that his mom abandoned him, so he's, like, on a spree of killing and thinks, oh, no, my mom picked my sister over me. I need to kill my sister now. And he hunts fucking his sister down for 15 movies. It's just, I don't know, man. The, the stories suck. The movies suck. Like, even the fucking Rob Zombie remake couldn't do too much with him, in my opinion. It's just, he's a bad character. But it's controversial. I, I thought the first Halloween remake from Rob Zombie was actually pretty good. It was but I, that's just because that's just it was a good movie. That's not saying, like, yeah, that's yeah, not exactly. saying much about Michael Myers himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you are right. There's not much to be said. I, I will say, though, if anything... Most of Michael Myers' substance as a character comes from his sister, Jamie Lee Curtis, every movie. He's kind of like the ghost that follows Jamie Lee's Curtis Jamie Lee Curtis's new life mm-hmm. every movie, you know, and it comes in like yeah. a wrecking ball, like Miley Cyrus, you know. So You just made I me did. hate him even more. 
that yeah that's kind of like in my mind when i'm really trying to dissect him that's mm. i think that's the idea of his character you know he, he's not yeah. really supposed to have an identity more just like the antithesis to whatever jamie lee curtis is trying to do <laughs> yeah yeah so so that is essentially my reasoning for putting him at the bottom as our 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 d rank for 2024 but you know there's one special factor there's one specific thing that really nailed it down that he was going to be the d rank and not chucky because for a while there in my head i'm like well is he really worse than chucky what am i really am i off base here but there's one thing that stuck in my head that just cemented it for me. And you know what that is? If you had to guess, there's one big, big outlier with him and his franchise that sticks oh. out. And it's similar oh. to Jason Voorhees. It's very similar to what happened with Jason Voorhees, but different. Over, over saturation, <laughs> like way no. too many movies. Oh. No. Because <laughs> that was a huge problem for fucking Halloween, dude. He Halloween got way too many. True. This is it. And again, I know I'm going to get I'm going to this is a controversial take, but I stick by it and I believe it. I'm not just saying this shit to, you know, whatever. He got benched in his own franchise, Broadcaster Nichols. No other horror villain on this list and that I can even think of this has happened to. He was not in Halloween three. Halloween three, they fucking benched Michael Myers. They said, you know what, dude, you can stay home. We're going to make our own movie because you suck. Oh, yeah. And that now that fact by itself is a huge red mark against Michael Myers, but it gets worse, dude. It gets worse. The cherry on top is, and again, controversial opinion, but I'm going to stand by it. Halloween three is the best Halloween movie of all time. It is number one in the 16 Halloween movies that have been created. It is the best Halloween movie. And it's the only one without Michael Myers. L fucking L dude. What was that one about? That one's about the fucking evil candy factory. That's like with the trick or treaters that with the masks that turn them into demons and shit. Sounds like a Goosebumps story. Dude, it, it's it's like a rated hard R Goosebumps story for sure. But there ain't no Michael Myers. There's no mention of Michael Myers. There's no Jamie Lee Curtis. They just straight up were like, you know what? This shit sucks. Let's, let's hit the reset button. And you don't <laughs> do that to a great horror villain. You do not do that. You did. They never did that to Freddy Krueger. They never did that to Pinhead. Isn't that great though. You got him at D. Exactly, and that that is that is the '80s slasher ranking system. Broadcaster Nichols. Now, are you ready to slash this review of uh, Rebel Moon now Part One: A Child of Fire? <laughs> now that we've reviewed our review scheme, we are ready to, to move you on by to Rebel review. Rebel One Hundred Whiskey. Drinking by all of the Rebel Moon watchers the out there. Wait a minute, what? Did you seriously? No. No way. Is that, <laughs> is that affiliated? This is the official whiskey of all Zack Snyder fans. Rebel Moon whiskey. 100 proof for your pleasure. 
Yeah, he was probably about halfway through a bottle of that when he was trying to pitch it to the fucking Disney execs for the 18th time. And they were like, mm-hmm. for the fucking billionth time, Zach, this is Samurai 7. And it's a shitty Samurai 7. You only got six people here. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. even count right. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's and I think that's where I want to start off this review is I heard a lot of shit talking about how this is a Star Wars ripoff. No. <laughs> This is a Kurosawa ripoff, just like Star Wars was. They are the same kind of ripoff. You can debate the quality of the two, but they are both ripping off Kurosawa. This is not a Star Wars movie. This movie's nothing like Star Wars. Other than well, the cheap Hux impersonator that gets tentacle sex in his bathtub. Other well, than that. It's it's a stepping product. It's a, it's a Kurosawa film, first and foremost. Mm. But it was pitched to become a Star Wars film. So in essence, you re- the real way to look at it is it's a Samurai 7 knockoff that was originally meant to be a Star Wars film, but now it's just mm-hmm. a shitty Samurai 7 knockoff yeah. on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. And I think the biggest problem I have with this movie is it's not a complete movie. This movie was made with the sequel being pre-greenlit. So... Essentially, Zack Snyder said, I already know my sequel's going to be made, so I don't have to tell a complete story. So he just told half a story in this movie, and it doesn't end on a satisfying note whatsoever. The only thing of substance that happens in the movie gets backtracked right before the credits roll. So it's like, oh, so really nothing happened in this movie. It's back to square one. And, And that's a bummer to me. Like, there's really the big thing that happens in this movie is the the Viking guy betrays them all at the end, which, you know, I will admit, I didn't see that coming. Did you see that coming? I think Did you're getting him mixed up with somebody else that's that's from Vikings. You, yeah, he's he looks like he yeah, looks like a dude I mean, from yeah, Vikings. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was gonna say I was like that guy was never in a Viking show, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, looks yeah. just like him. <laughs> did you did you see that coming with his betrayal? Because that's the one thing I think Zack Snyder did well. I didn't see that coming. I really didn't. No, well, the character, yeah, the actor gave no hints, and the mm-hmm. writing really didn't give any hints. But I'm not giving that a credit to the writing oh, okay. at all, <laughs> at all. all right. I think that's a byproduct. Remember how we talk about technical debt yes. in video games? Yeah. This is debt, technical debt in writing. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's just a positive, some positive byproduct mm. of somehow doing bad shitty writing because we didn't see it coming because we didn't know shit about the characters yes (laughs) we're just like oh wow (laughs) you're actually you're probably absolutely right about that because despite the fact that this movie it feels like nothing happened it also feels like a lot of stuff should have happened but it got cut like the the way it booms well yeah through the story right there's I don't know. I heard has rumors. An hour and a half long, more film out there. I heard rumors about that, but that's not available. So I don't know if that's true or not. That could just be a rumor oh. for all I know. I thought that was confirmed, just not released. Well, the thing that is confirmed is Zack Snyder was in an interview and he said, <laughs> Oh, there's a whole nother version of it that they wouldn't let me release. It's a hard R and wow. it's a, it's a totally different movie. That's what he said before the, the original cut, the one that we watched even came out. He came out and immediately said, this movie you're about to watch, there's a director's cut. 
and it's totally different. Not just a few scenes are different. It's a little longer, blah, blah, blah. He acted like it was literally a different movie, which is one of the craziest things a director could come out and say right before his movie comes out. It's super weird. Yeah. And I'm not like, that's not a defense. It's no way, shape, or form a defense for him. Like you no. can't just sit there, like right before the series or the show comes out, and be like, "Guys, I pretty much know you guys aren't gonna like this because they didn't let me put out the version I wanted to." Look at the version he wants to put out, and it's a four-hour-long quote-unquote masterpiece. That's not how the movie industry works. I don't care if mm -hmm. you can do a one-off to get to like restore or like whatever you need to do to your last movie. That's not. A consistent thing you should be doing it's insane to expect people to sit down for four fucking hours to watch one movie a movie that's not is a part movie not mm -hmm. even a complete story so after four hours of your time you're still expected to come back for presumably what another four hour session like yeah. that's insane honestly this movie feels like it should have been a limited series chopped up into episodes that are about 50 minutes long and I feel yeah. like maybe the ego of Zack Snyder wouldn't allow him to do that. He yeah. he makes movies, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of those things, because when you really look at this movie, it feels like a limited series TV show. It doesn't feel like a movie as much. And that's not to say it's not the effects aren't good and the production's good. The, it, the production's all good. It's just that like there's the pacing, the, yeah, the pacing. pacing. If there's if this is a scale of zero to ten. It is negative five, okay, mm -hmm. for pacing. I I went to bed. I, I slowly was, I was sleeping watching this movie. I woke up. I actually was progressively getting woken up from watching this movie because of how bad the pacing was because I thought I was going crazy. I was like, have I been rolling over and falling asleep or something and missing scenes? I'm like going back. I'm like, no, nothing's happening. These guys are having conversations like weeks have gone by. They're talking to each other like months have gone by. Like there's scenes where like some shit happens and you're expected to even give a single fuck about these characters. Like that's it's so jarring and weird to me. Like mm -hmm. the way this whole movie was like we went back with the Viking dude. You said the reason why his betrayal was such a surprise is because his character had zero fucking development. So when he betrays them all, you're kind of just like. Man, he was so generic, and I thought he was just going to do his dumbass, stupid role in this movie that you couldn't see his betrayal coming, you know? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, it's... There isn't Remember a that lot of line at the them. very end? At the very end, that, that white dude that's with her, like the guy that secretly wants to fuck Rebel, <laughs> or whatever her name is. Who's the main chick? Cora. Cora. I am woman, hear me roar. Her mm -hmm. fucking the dude that comes up to her initially and starts putting the team together with her at the very end. He's like, I told you guys I never trusted that dude. Mm -hmm. There's not one fucking scene in the whole movie at one point. I not an iota of mm -hmm. him expressing his opinion about nope. that guy other I, than him just kind of mean mugging the guy sometimes. Clearly that got cut. Yeah, there's. Well, that's the thing, like when Zack Snyder came out and said, hey, there's another cut of this movie that's completely different. That sort of raises a huge red flag for the version we're about to see, which is to say this is like the 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 version that Netflix thought would do the best with general audiences. 
and general audiences essentially eat up this kind of nonsensical shit when it in terms of like pacing and in terms of just like set piece action explosion set piece no plot development what's going on who knows here's a new character here's a new character nothing's happening with these characters we I don't think know who all they that's are. trash i d- no. like i feel like all these shows that do that are like non-memorable and no one watches them no i mean they all these shows they last one season and they're gone yeah i don't know i mean it is Zack snyder Zack snyder has a huge fan base I love a lot of Zack Snyder movies. 300 is still one of my favorite movies of all time. He's done a lot of good stuff. It's just that, like, I think he got too much in his own head with this movie. And it's like, people will be patient with me. They'll wait for part two before they judge. And I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of people are just judging this movie on its own merits. And on its own merits, if there was no sequel, just imagine if there's no sequel coming for this movie. And this was it you would look at this and be like, this is just a dumb, pointless waste of time. Now, now part two could come out and blow our fucking socks off. And then at that point, we'll look back at part one and be like, oh, well, it was setting the table for this, this and this. Okay, well, whatever. But at the same time, they're, they're their own movies and you can make sequels that are great. But like movies should be movies. Like if you're going to make a series, make a series. Like, imagine if you went back and looked at New Hope like that. Yeah. Like, well, Empire Strikes Back is the best, and it it was still Mm -hmm. good in Return of the Jedi, but, I mean, New Hope was just a stepping stone. It sucked, but, I mean, it's it's we got Empire Strike Back. It's like, bullshit. That's just fucking bullshit. New Hope was a great movie. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny, too, because... I'll bet there's a whole bunch of fucking Snyder fanboys out there that would that fucking talk mad shit about Star Wars Episode One, but they'll probably defend Rebel Moon. And to those people, I say, go fuck yourself. Insanity. Episode One, like it or not, was a complete awesome movie. Maybe it's not your kind of Star Wars. Maybe Darth Jar Jar rubs you the wrong way whatever either way that was a complete movie with with plot development and character development and a major shit happening all the way through nothing in rebel moon is even comparative to pod racing to the final battle with qui-gon jinn and obi-wan kenobi with darth maul there's just so much in episode one that just destroys rebel moon so if you're gonna come out here and tell me that you think rebel moon is great but you hated the prequels go fuck yourself the only thing Rebel Moon has going for it is aesthetic. Yes. Its style Great. is cool. Visually awesome looking. Mm-hmm. That's it. I thought a lot of the actors and actresses were lackluster. I think a lot of the stuff was phoned in, like the chick with the dual sabers. Not only is that actor, I mean, no disrespect. Oh, you mean the chick but, from Lost? Yeah, she sucks. Yeah. And she's yeah, in all the, uh, yeah. she's in all the fucking, the, God, the Matrix guys. I can't even think of their names anymore. Oh, the Wachowskis. The Wachowskis. Dude, she's in like all the Wachowski brothers' new shit. She sucks in that. She sucks in this. Why does she keep getting work? I have no clue. She's horrible. Diversity. That's why. But I guess. Get Lucy Liu. She sucks too, but she's better than her. Lucy Liu's probably fucking too hot and retired to put up with this shit. (laughs) So. No doubt. No doubt. It's just all everything. Like even the canteen scene. Like, that's a straight, ripped-off cantina scene from New Hope. You, you remember that? 
Well, Dude, kind I mean, it, of. It, it was clearly there like was, there were oh, no tentacle mind Wars control movie. aliens in the Cantina in New Hope. I get it. They had to change yeah. it a little bit, but like you clearly saw, was like this was them being like, "Hey guys, this was supposed to be a Star Wars film. Here's a little mm-hmm. shout out." It, everything was just lame. They didn't, and all the the best parts of the movie didn't get one ounce of explanation. Like the priests with the fucking mass. And like that, we're following the Nazi. That's my favorite part of the movie, by the way, are those guys. I love those guys. I don't know shit about them, but they're awesome. Yeah. And then what's his name? Um, Anthony Hopkins playing. Great. Great. That was probably the only times I was actually super interested in the movie. I was like waiting for his character to be developed. Zero. He just runs away at the end. That's what you get. You get a spooked king and he runs off like a frightened rabbit into the distance. Yeah cool and the, oh wait a minute never mind you get one more scene where he's out there in the cornfield looking away or whatever with the antlers yeah 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 the robot was good i think the the beginning of the movie was all right the problem i really have with this movie is the middle the middle is just hot garbage the end isn't great either but the beginning has a lot of promise it starts off slow it's it feels like it's building it feels like it's lingering right so like most of this movie doesn't linger it just goes boo 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 with no fucking development whatsoever the beginning felt different like there's this like this sort of it let it breathed a little bit the beginning you had this village you had people talking and discussing life and like the village and everything that's going on and then of course the empire shows up and then it, it goes into that mode you bring up a good point. That was actually a good part. That guy that plays the village elder, he was yeah, actually really he was good great. Too. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Uh, but it just, it as soon as the Empire shows up, the mother, what they call them, the motherland or the mother world or I don't know, whatever. Those people show up. from Earth, right? They're they had like, like a name for them, like the mother people or something. I don't remember. Wow. But... As soon as they show up, the pacing just goes to hell for the rest of the movie. But that beginning part I liked. And with the cinematography and the effects, I think that Zack Snyder kind of created a new aesthetic with this movie. No. I he think so. Or Hamill 40K. <laughs> I, call it, I, I call it retro surrealism. Because it's, mm. it's totally retro. It's... Everything in this movie is based on 70s sci-fi. It's based on or late 70s, early 80s yeah. sci-fi. It's based on like shit like Blade Runner and shit like Star Wars. Just that yeah. sort of era of Have you ever seen Grimdark Warhammer 40K? Like 80s 40 That's where all this no. comes from. No. Yeah, you should ch- yeah. Well, that's where I think. What what I'm talking about like I mean, the whole movie is like this, but a great example is the very beginning when it shows her plowing the field with that super big Saturn planet in the background. It's retro because it, it the color scheming and sort of just like the presentation, but the surrealism comes with how fake it looks. And I think it's on purpose. All the effects in this movie have like an intentional fakeness to them. And they look intentionally retro compared to like what a modern science fiction movie. Just look at Dune, the Dune reboot. So Dune is also seventies, early eighties, sci-fi looking stuff. When you look at the Dennis Villeneuve Dune reboot, 
everything looks advanced. It looks way more advanced. It looks modern. Everything in Rebel Moon looks old, but in a surreal way. Like, it it had extra gloss on it. Lens flares everywhere. Just sort of like this weird mix of old and new. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think there's two different things going on there, particularly with Zack Snyder. There's the actual aesthetic you're looking at, but then you're looking at the Zack Snyder mystique over that look at look at his other movies like 300 300 you look at that movie it's like sure it's about spartans but look at the scenes everything is surreal the tone the filters they use you know you might be right when they're doing the speeches remember like when they're doing the scene and they're tossing the baby into the pit Mm -hmm. like all of that is just it's almost like you're watching it on stage happening you know it's 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 what Zack snyder does well you might be right he invented retro surrealism a long time ago, and I just yeah. sort of put a name on it in my head now. I guess it just took a long time for well, me. I to, think like, your name retro, it. your retro surrealism is what I was just talking about with his other movies, but also with what Rebel Moon is bringing in too, and those are colliding with like the sci-fi retro style, almost like I don't want to say steampunk because it's not really mm-hmm. steampunk, but there's like. It's that weird cyberpunk, steampunk, sci-fi amalgamation. That's why I kind of brought up Warhammer, because there's a lot of, like, 80s, grim, dark sci-fi elements that you see. Especially, um, I don't, because there's so many factions in Warhammer, but there's a a human faction in the Imperium that wear, like, the Nazi-esque, like, uniforms that these space guys were and immediately when i saw that initially that's where my mind went i was like oh that looks like that faction from warhammer and they're in space and they have these giant interplanetary ships that they're using i'm like yeah this is pretty close this is getting i mean other than the connotation that it was supposed to be a star wars movie and this is supposed to be the empire other than knowing that it doesn't really save them from looking pretty warhammery okay yeah, I'm not a Warhammer fan, so I, I'll just defer to you on that if that's true. Yeah. So maybe he he whipped, ripped off a little Warhammery stuff. Uh, but once we get he ripped the... off a lot of shit, yeah. <laughs> Kurosawa, Star Wars, Warhammer, <laughs> the what, Wachowskis. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a... <laughs> dude. I, when I saw her be the the lightsaber person, because I saw that person in the trailer, didn't realize it was her, and then I see her in the movie, I'm like. Son of a fucking bitch. It ruined it. Like, honestly, she half ruined the movie for me. As soon as I saw her, it pulled me out. Bad casting. She does. Bad she acting. Just doesn't, she doesn't seem to actually want to act. No. Like, every time I see her in a movie, it's like you're being made to fucking mm-hmm. be there or something. Astute, astute observation. I agree with you fully there. And I kind of resent that they made her the wannabe... Jedi. Jedi, yeah, I yeah. agreed to, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but one character I did like is the guy who comes right after the Cantina ripoff that you brought up. Uh, they immediately go to a desert planet with a slave guy who has a slave making him armor or something in a forge, and he's like, he owes me two more years of captivity. This is where pacing in the movie was the worst. Well, yeah, this is the middle. Exactly. The middle sucked in this movie. They just show up on this planet. Nothing happens in between. They go straight from the cantina to being at this guy's doorstep. 
multiple star systems away. So there's like just weeks probably of travel time. They just totally skip. Not even a ship conversation in between. Nope, nothing, (laughs) nothing. They show up and and he's like, it it makes no sense. The slave guy's like, you know, he owes me two more years. You can pay me. And they're like, we don't got no money. He's like, okay, well, if you can ride that there griffin across the sky, you can keep him. Like, what? What the fuck? Who cares? Like, it's the weirdest fucking thing. And and of course he does it. He gets on. He's like, he's the animal whisperer. He's like, oh, good boy, good boy. You know, he flies the griffin, and there's like this one part where he whips him off on a cliff, and then he jumps off in slow motion, very 300 style. I don't know if you noticed that, yeah. but when yeah. he jumps off the cliff back onto the griffin, that was 100% 300. <laughs> also complete bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you get slammed into a jagged cliffside going 60, 80. You're dead, bruh. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, on the side of the mountain. (laughs) It's fantasy sci-fi, so I give it a pass. But you're 100 percent accurate. That's bullshit. There's no way that would really happen. Anyway, he he jumps back on. He finishes his flight of the fucking Griffin lands, and the dude's just like, "You sure showed me you're a free man." I'm just like, well, he also like before he even did all that, like he's talking out in the open. He's like, "My ancestors used to tame these animals and ride them. They were the." like the the workhorse of their people or mm-hmm. I, I don't i'm getting probably that a lot wrong but he says something along those lines to insinuate like his bloodline mm-hmm. can tame these beasts so it's like he just told you he's the guy that will be able to do it he's mm-hmm. like I'm, oh sure i'll bet yeah. <laughs> sure whatever yeah and, and then the, as soon as he gets back and he's like oh you're a free man now blah, blah, blah. he he just gets a smirk and decides oh that means i can ride it too it's just the most dumb logical leap I've ever witnessed in a yeah. movie in my life. Like the second he starts approaching that Griffin, you know, he's going to die. You absolutely and, know. And you're meant like, this is like the, like the litmus test of this movie too. Cause as a mm-hmm. viewer, you're supposed to believe like as characters, that guy was keeping that guy down and in prison mm-hmm. for years. Yeah. Right. Not the other way, not the other way around, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, the, the, to Zack Snyder's credit, he does sort of hang a lantern on that little plot point by by adding a yeah, line. Yeah, I honor my debts. That's the yeah. only thing that justifies what you just brought up, because otherwise it's absurd. It's totally absurd. I honor absurdity. my debts to a complete sleaze bag that's enslaving people. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Honorable warrior. <laughs> yeah. So... But then he also, like, says nice when he gets killed by the bird as they're flying away. Oh, yeah. That a girl. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I thought you honored your debts, bro. What the fuck happened? You should be mourning the death of your debtor, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So then we, we leave, and now we go to the next planet, which is the Jedi chick, which, to be fair... I hate this woman. I hate the actress. I don't like the character much, but I will say this was the coolest action scene in the movie. Do you agree? The spider fight? Ooh, okay. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Not not a high bar, but yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think if there was even anything else close. Well, (laughs) here's the thing. The bar fight, maybe the cantina fight was maybe the most other action besides the. Oh, yeah. The rape the barn bridge. is probably the best, actually. It's either the rape barn or the spider. That's not really like action. Unless well, you're like, I don't like know. 
it was more like the the birth of the hero moment, you know, like she's like, I'm I'm just trying to live. Yeah. It was. It's like I'm just a simple farmer girl trying to live a simple farmer life, but I'm hearing the rape of my mm-hmm. sisters. <laughs> I gotta yeah. fucking go in there and gonna this is Yeah. A ninety pound literally and this is the one time when I say a ninety pound soaking wet <laughs> woman, she looks legitimately ninety pounds. She has mm-hmm. anorexia for sure. Like there's like I think she has a health problem. That's mm-hmm. debatable, but we'll we're led to believe she can take out a barn of 12 dudes with firearms. She just goes in there like fucking John Wick and just takes them out. That was insulting. Yeah, You know, I think John Wick, like I love John Wick, but I think it did a disservice to the movie industry because they are now making every single person John Wick in every movie. And it's it's getting bad. It's getting real bad, especially when you apply it to 90 pounds soaking wet females. It's not I think good. It, I think John Wick is... Not where it's I think action movies that were awesome in the 80s, in mm-hmm. the early 90s. Everything was awesome in the 80s and early 90s, but go on. But we couldn't mimic that or nope. later on in these later years we're in. And now the fresh take idea is to try to channel that energy with women mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. And none of it, it all sucks. It all mm-hmm. just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least they're doing it in a sci-fi fantasy setting. What really kills me is when they do realistic shows like set in Earth with no sci-fi or fantasy and they make the women do that. That's where I'm just like, like, shut the fuck up. But uh, at least in the fantasy setting, we have plausible deniability. She's a magical girl. She's Ray. You know, she has Metachlorian spinning the right direction. Whatever. I would. But I before I lose the. There was that other act, the one on the bridge or that like platform they were all fighting on where that ship came in. You're talking about the that end, was... the end of the movie. Was after that the, the betrayal? Yeah, the betrayal happens. The final scene is the betrayal on those floating docks where the ship oh, falls yeah. in. And yeah, 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 yeah. You think that's like, the that best was... action scene? That was pretty, pretty cool. In comparison, but the spider—I don't know—the spider was pretty sick. I think the spider's better. The, the whatever they did with the CG for the spider was spot on. Usually with CG good. monsters, I'm like, oh, that's dis- that's stupid. You fucked that up. With, yeah, especially with non-CGI backdrops. Yeah, yeah that was but like that. Yeah, <laughs> there's something about this scene with the spider. It just looked real as fuck. It looked amazing. There were no gaffes that I could notice. It just was super smooth. I hate the woman who plays that Jedi character, but it was a great scene <laughs> in general. I hate that bitch. But anyway, <laughs> other than, other than the end where she ruined it, where they're all like congratulating her, and she's like. Don't congratulate me. Don't be happy. This could have been any of you. Just like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Come on. Honestly, that line didn't make sense. No. I was trying to, I was like, what does she mean? Anybody could have been a crazy space spider monster, like in the slums of some planet. Yeah. (laughs) This is a horrible, (laughs) and that's the thing, like Zack Snyder, I love you, bro, but what are you doing with some of these lines? Maybe you should get a writer friend and you can just be the overall stories are, but get a different writer maybe because some of these lines were awful. Awful. Well, he never wrote originally. He was a director. He started. Now he writes that Mm -hmm. shit out. (laughs) Yeah. Cut it out. 
<laughs> all right go back to directing and honestly at this point i'm not sure you can do that mm -hmm. but give that a shot put your whole yeah. heart into that and let someone else fucking write a script okay yeah yeah it's insane so after the spider planet, we go to the fish people planet. I don't know. This planet was weird. I really love the aesthetic. And again, I'm going to say I love the aesthetic of this entire movie. Every planet they go to looks awesome. And it, it all follows this retro surrealism I'm talking about where everything looks super fake, but awesome. And like a sort of weird 80s, 70s vibe. It, it's really yeah. cool. Everything it's like the is binder cool. Art. It's like the binder art from your 90s binders. Fuck yeah. School exactly you're like yeah. you're looking at you're like this is sick it's a trapper keeper yeah, yeah. It's, your, it's your fucking trapper <laughs> keeper for sure but so they get to the next planet and this is to find the rebel like the you know the the what do they call them they had some name but what the rebels that they originally set out to find in the very beginning when hux shows up and tells them you're giving me all your granny murders the leader they're, they go on a mission to find this leader of rebels that they sold grain to. Hux. <laughs> Is that his name? Well, no, he's just like That's Hux God. from the, the new trilogy of Disney Wars. He's just oh, like Hux. God. He's the same character, but rated R. He's got tentacles fucking him in orifices, but it's Hux. All right? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. So, so they get to this planet with, like, the fish king. I forget. He has, like some name like fish king desantis or something i don't fucking know Just this, <laughs> and uh they they're talking to him then all of a sudden this fleet of ship shows up and in your head you're like oh shit the the motherland caught him but it's not the motherland it's the rebels and they come down it's a sister and a brother that are both black with dreadlocks and i'm like okay so it just so happens that the first and only black people we've seen in this movie happen to be the do-gooder rebels that are on the right side of history and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what did you expect? Every bad person's a white male in this movie. It's like, like come literally. on, man. Really, Zack Snyder? You're going to do that? But whatever. The, the, the girl who you only see in this scene, she disappears from the movie after the scene. She's the antagonistic one. Like, we're not going to help you. We're... We're too good for that. We're in it for ourselves and blah, blah, blah. And then, then the uh, the boy, I forget, his name's like Warhammer, something like that. So it's probably, you know, makes sense why you think it's a big Warhammer ripoff because his name was something like Warhammer, right? Like Hammer Heart or War Heart or something like that. And he's like, no, I have honor, so I will go with them because no planet will fall because of me. And he joins the crew. He joins a team. And I'm just like, listen, you're the leader of this huge rebel army. And you're like, later, guys, I'm going to go help this backwater planet because I have honor. Yeah, what the fuck? It, it made no sense. It made no sense at all. <laughs> no. Well, it's one of those scenes where it's like they're making you. They're they're like telling you to care mm -hmm. more than you should. You know, it's like yeah. we've a stat where it's telling you. This is an established story with this character. You should feel more about this character when he just makes this random decision that you really don't give a fuck about. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, yeah, those are just the scenes I'm really talking about where mm -hmm. he's, it's really just oh. trying to do too much. He's yeah. trying to do way too much in that movie. Yeah, and that's the end of the middle. So the whole middle part of this movie is pretty much what we've talked about for the last 15, 20 minutes. And it is just awful pacing awful writing just just a lot of sort of like we have to do this we have to do this we have to do this 
it doesn't make sense, but we have to do this, which to me, and maybe I'm just being a Zack Snyder defender. You can call me out if you want. But to me, when I look at how bad this middle is, I look at it as like, okay, all of this is going to make sense when part two comes out. And then we're going to say, okay, it needed to be like this for part two. No way. No way. <laughs> all right. I'm at, maybe no I'm a way. Snyder fanboy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Fuck, I don't Clearly know. Clearly a soap, dude. We are talking about this earlier. You're going to be one of the many simps in the Garen Logan sphere, dude. Yeah, okay. All right. You <laughs> might be right about that. <laughs> you might be right about that. Uh, so now we get to sort of the end of the movie, and this is where we have a little bit of, like, little talking between the cast members before they get to the final planet, which is where the betrayal happens. We already talked about with the Viking guy, you know, setting him up in an ambush and then be like, hey, lover boy. Those are pretty good. Go on. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the murder chairs. The murder chairs. Not the murder chairs yet. But but I love the way that. So so they ambush him. They just drop a bunch of boxes on the ground and they just turn into murder chairs and grab them like (laughs) hydralisks from Starcraft or something. You're just like, what the fuck? And uh, then the Viking and lover boy, as I like to call him, who's the, you know, her main squeeze from the village. Main simp number one. Main simp number one. They're the only two not captured conveniently so that the betrayer can put a gun to his hand and be like, you do what I say, boy. Like, okay, why wasn't there a murder chair for him? Oh, because he wanted to make him kill Cora, the girl, his lover, or, you know, he wants to be his lover, the girl he's simping for. Uh, Okay, you planned it ahead of time so that he wouldn't get murder chair just so you could make him kill her, even though she is central to the leader of the motherland wanting to bring her back alive so that he can kill her in front of the council, but you're going to kill her now. Makes zero sense. This part of the movie makes zero sense. Or writing. If didn't come across, he didn't think, oh, no one's going to think I just didn't put, I just didn't put another murder chair down there for that guy because I want him to be forced to do this. No one's going to think that like, it's not a plot, a a forced plot hole or anything like that. So they can escape. No, 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 It was emotional. It was an emotional decision. Like he hated the guy. Like, of course Mm -hmm. he would do that. You would do that. (laughs) You wouldn't spend all the time. And like, I mean, let's ignore the idea that these guys, these, uh, empire folk are like desperate. They're starving. Like at the very beginning of the movie, these guys are like, hopping from planet to planet and they're starting to look like they're going to go cannibal on each other, (laughs) you know? Mm. And we're led to believe that these guys are just going to make brash decisions like that. You know, we're going to leave it to a strange, a stranger mercenary we hired Mm. who's going to make his own decision to leave one chair out so he can force this guy to kill them. When really these empire could just murder like this set, Uh the setup was a setup. He could just blast them from the bridge. Yeah. 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 The good, the good writing version of this scene would have been him immediately being murdered by Hux. Yeah. Like that's what you get for thinking I would, you know, partner with you. That's or whatever. what a real empire officer would do. Exactly. That's how it would yeah. really be. But because this movie has nonsensical writing, he talks down to Hux Jr. Like I'm in charge. You remember that? There's a part of the scene where like Hux says something. There's a part of this scene with the murder chairs where Hux says something, but then like Viking guy overrides him 
and like gives orders and i'm just sort of like sitting there like what oh is is he he like a incognito higher up maybe maybe that's what we're gonna see that's the thing with this movie is like i wonder if we're gonna find out shit in part two that makes this shit make sense like if we find out he was actually an officer in this fucking empire ripoff force whatever you want to call them the motherland crystal uh maybe it makes sense but right now, from the writing, from what we see in episode one, it makes zero sense, man. I think he's like Quentin Tarantino with like Crazy Eight or something. Yeah. Or whatever. What was that movie called? Hateful Crazy Eight. Eight. Hateful Eight. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so next problem with this scene, Lover Boy is sitting there with the, the, the cow prodder gun at the back of the cherry. He zips it in. And he acts like he's going to kill her. He says, I'm so sorry, Cora. But then spins the it, one pulls kill. it out, pulls a 180 wow. and kills him before he can react. Bullshit. That was there's no way Viking bro wouldn't have reacted to that faster. It t- There's no way you could do that fast enough for him not to react. That was ridiculous. That was WWF shit. That was when The Undertaker sits there and waits for mankind to put Saki on and put it down his throat. That's what that shit was. God damn it. Fucking no, man. Uh, So, okay, so then everyone gets freed. It's because once once he frees Korra, Korra starts whooping ass like Rey, and then fucking... Uh, freeze the Jedi chick, and then the Jedi chick frees everyone else, and then it becomes, oh, it's a big battle, and blah, blah, blah. All good. The part that killed me at the end here is that when the spaceship falls down, and by the way, the whole absurdity of Turok, Griffin Rider, Killing the guy in the spaceship, riding up to the spaceship, going on the 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 window and all that. That was all fucking absurd as hell. But putting all that aside. No, that wasn't Tarak Griffin Rider. That was the rebel leader who dies. The brother. He goes. Oh, oh right, 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 right. Okay, yeah. Not Turok. Not Turok. Um, you're right. Still absurd, though. That whole part was super absurd and makes no sense. But whatever, it happened. The ship come down. The fucking, the floating bridge malfunctions and the blue jets underneath go and they start falling, right? This is the part that kills me. Fucking Hux and Korra fall down and conveniently fall on this like floating beacon thing so that they can have their fucking hero battle for the end of the movie. Yeah. Oh my God, that was stupid. Are you kidding me? It's just another ripoff of a Star Wars. They're just trying to channel Star Wars iconograph, you know, like they want to like get those compositions and scenes. Like I totally see what they're, they're trying to do like a empire strike back cloud city type, you know, thing right there. I guess dude, but it was absurd as hell. Like the way Hux fell on it and then got right up. (laughs) <laughs> was like what one. you just fell like 50 feet down onto yeah, a probe droid and you're just gonna get right up no you have a broken femur bro you have a broken yeah. fucking femur get the fuck out of here like 10 minutes of moaning just 
<laughs> yeah. And I think that like if if there were if we we're in a podcast right now with a third person who was a Snyder bro, what they would tell us right now is that oh no, he's part machine. They established that with the tentacle monsters that had hentai sex with him earlier in the movie. Okay, maybe, but we see later on, right after this scene, when they by the way. This is what ruins the movie for me. The only weight we had in this movie was Hux dying at the end. Like, okay, something happened. But then, of course, they find him on the beach and they resuscitate. Even though he fell like a thousand feet down onto that beach and he survived. But they found him. They resuscitate him. And then they send him to go into the metaverse to meet Korra's dad, who is the leader of the Empire. Yeah. You can see clearly in that scene that he's not a machine. The whole way that their little organic transporter device works to send him in the metaverse, there are no machine parts in his body. They show you his body. It's not yeah. a machine. He's not a robot. So what the fuck? Well, that was like a simulate. I don't even know. what That was cool. Though. That was like the <laughs> only cool. cool part of the It movie. was cool. When it I was. saw that, I was, yeah. I was pretty high. I was like, whoa. It was cool as that? shit. I don't disagree with that, but it makes no fucking sense. It's incongruent to what happened before. It just... That's the problem with this movie, is that each scene doesn't respect the scene that comes before or the scene that comes after. It's like every scene is a reset button for continuity, and that is horrible. That is not good. Yeah. Yeah, but, this movie is it's dog shit. <laughs> I will say I love Cora's dad, the actor that they got to play Cora's dad, who's like a Napoleon type, and he's like the great conqueror, and he like raped and pillaged her entire planet and then left her as the only one alive and said, Now you're my daughter, now that I've raped yeah, your entire cool. planet. I like yeah, the cool. guy that they got to play him. I don't know if I like the character per se, but the guy who plays him is good. That actor is good. Yeah, I guess this, I just can't get behind any of it because it just irks me. I can't take any movie seriously where they clearly are going out of their way to like make white males the only. Oh, you mean every movie that's come out since 2016? Yeah, I know. Well, I will say, like, you are right, but at least they try to, like, at least shake it up slightly to make it so they can at least argue the fact, you know? This movie doesn't even fucking try. Like, literally every single villain is a white middle-aged male. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it has an agenda. Like, he was looking for some fucking equity (sighs) points. Yeah, I know. I know. I get so excited. Like... this is going to sound bad, but it, I get so excited now when I watch a movie or a TV show and the villain's a black guy. Not because, like, I think all black guys are evil or something like that. It's just because I'm so fucking used to the middle-aged yeah. white dude being the villain. When I see a black film, I'm like, oh, or a boss I'm in. Like, it's a boss paper. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like this is different. Like, this is not a atypical. Like, I don't know, man. It's, we live in a strange time. And uh, Zack Snyder isn't helping things, that's for sure. Fuck no. And <laughs> literally everything into it was such a childlike perspective on how he built all those characters. He's mm-hmm. like, all right, the semi-attractive middle-aged women are all the powerful characters. We'll give them cool. Give her double swords. Uh, she's gonna have a sweet sweet backdrop with a scythe in her arms it's going to make her look brooding and powerful even though she's mm. 85 pounds but it doesn't matter <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, yeah yeah yep 
and then uh, pretty much after after like the organic transportation system with Hux going to talk to Cora's dad, I for my money that was the coolest scene in the entire movie. I think you agree with me. I think I think you actually said that. So we're agreement there. That's like the apex of the movie. And you do want the apex of the movie to be at the end, but you don't want it to be like the epilogue. Like that was the epilogue. That wasn't like it was the movie was over at that point. That's what that really was, was a trailer for part two is what that scene really was. Yeah. Well, I think the main reason it was good is because it was the antithesis to the rest of the movie. Mm hmm it was actually good. <laughs> you know, you like all of a sudden you flip got switch. You're like, Oh, I'm interested now. What's going on? <laughs> you start yeah. paying attention. You're like I wanted yeah. more of this. What happened to yeah. this guy? Yep. Like, the, and then, at the end of the day, the movie's problem is pacing. Like it truly has a pacing problem that I think will bury this movie in the end. I don't think it will recover from part one it might part two is, is going to come out obviously and they might get that four hour version but i think the damage not only was done with the snyder cut of justice league and that whole drama but then now this being his other chance i think the him, snyder cut was good by the way i don't i don't the snyder cut was good but not good for movie. four not for four hours yeah, like i'll argue this to death like no one you can't get normal people even if it's a masterpiece, like think of Godfather, the Godfather, like you can't go up to people nowadays and be like the Godfather's a masterpiece. Please go watch one through three. Mm. Like it's just a hard ask for a lot of people. And especially yeah. in one fucking movie, you know, four hours. I think like, honestly, if part two rectifies and makes part one better and it, when when you add part two it's complete and everything's okay if that is the case which i think is sort of a long shot but if that is the case you should have released them at the same time then you should have released them at the same time because when you release a part one like this that has really no beginning middle and end like when we really talk about this as a movie as a beginning and middle and end that's why we hate it so much is because there is no middle the end sucks the beginning is the only decent part, but the best scenes are in the end, which doesn't make sense. Like the whole thing is just sort of like a contrivance of a contrivance. Yeah. If you need if you have the second part right off the get go, then that doesn't matter. But right now we have one movie and the movie just doesn't add up. Yeah, I just I I can't I can't get behind the idea that if part two's better it makes up for part one somehow yeah. i don't i just, it's a long shot but it could happen i just i think he should have started he should have just fucking stopped writing after the <laughs> snyder cut the snyder cut should have told him <laughs> that he couldn't do he should have just stopped writing <laughs> he's a great director that's where he's made all of his money. i know he's an amazing director i know it's and stupid he still look good that's the thing like every scene he puts together looks beautiful mm -hmm. but it all just fell flat in this movie because he was juggling writing and directing for yeah. the second fucking time it, he needs to stop it needs yeah. he needs to get like a right hand or something he trusts to help him with his movie process. Cause I clearly that's where it's coming from. He clearly has some 
thing going on in his head like you kind of alluded to earlier in this podcast where it was just like he has to do it you know like everything has to kind of be handled by him or it's not right anymore it's almost Mm -hmm. like he's developed a mania or something i don't know his daughter did die i mean he could be a shook from that a lot of his fans like to use that as a cop-out for his failures but it's like i I don't know if his daughter dying takes away from him being a great director that much like (laughs) oh that's a cold that's a fucking ice cold take i love that i (laughs) I don't think his daughter dying is a good excuse for being a shitty writer no, that's not what I said. I said I don't think his daughter dying takes away from him being a great director. I said it's it's the opposite. I think his oh. daughter. Dying, his How daughter dare you! You is, allowed you wasted your daughter's death and didn't become better no, on it. His daughter dying has turned him into an emo that wants to write about things. Now he's a writer all of a sudden. Oh, like, okay. You know? So like, so yeah, now, I get it. Now like you're saying like. Dark he, his, thoughts. He's like, oh, I can be a brooding yeah. author now, writer. Mm-hmm. Like, I can write this shit. When maybe he could if he didn't direct, you know. Yeah, but he's not going to yeah. get the director's seat up. Yeah. So it's like he's, I can do a four-hour-long, big-budget fucking Kurosawa or whip-off Star Wars movie with perfect everything, and that's kind of where this movie came off as. But it failed. Yeah. All right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. His daughter died, and he said, I can become Edgar Allan Poe. Why not? Well, it's natural, right? I mean, like, obviously, at that age in your life, your fucking daughter committing suicide, you're going to become a fucking a dark individual. You're going to be an emo. But the it just sucks that he channeled that into thinking he could write in his movies with that energy. You know? that and That's what I'm projecting. Okay. That's why I feel like he's getting his Fair writing enough. nature from... <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of slow motion in this movie. There's a lot of lens flares and not a lot of good writing, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, there ain't much else to say about it. Like, honestly, the, the highlights of this movie were Anthony Hopkins playing the robot and. Oof. Woof. Not much else. Like there really isn't a whole lot, a lot there. Um, I don't know. Blonde chick was pretty hot. (laughs) The blonde chick. You talking from the rape barn? Yeah, the one that's supposed to be like the princess incarnate or something like that. She's pretty hot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, They they did. They spent a little bit too much time talking about like lore when they weren't establishing current characters. So like, if you're going to establish lore for dead characters that aren't even a part of the movie, at least put some time into the characters that are in the movie. They spent more time on princess Issa than they did on any of the samurai six that we have in this movie. (laughs) On any of the samurai six. (laughs) I don't know. All right, broadcaster. Hunger force. (laughs) skit. As you know, here in the Crack Cellar, we have an official patented 80s slasher rating system in which we rate all of our reviews. And uh, within this system, Broadcaster, I need to know what you rate Rebel Moon Part 1, Child of Fire. Uh, 
Um, I'm going to give it a fat D. <laughs> I want to give it an F because it's a failure. <laughs> I don't think Michael Myers even deserves it. <laughs> Michael oh. Myers is like, come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say. I feel like I just dogged on this movie the whole time. I don't really need to say much. I knew what yeah. I was going to say. Movies just sucks, dude. It just, it, man, it just, it, it's just a bummer. It's just a bummer. It, <laughs> I, I really wanted to like this movie. Yeah. Zack Snyder's made some great movies. I just think he's lost his touch. And it's sad to say, but we all lose our touch at some point at different ages. And sometimes <laughs> you, maybe you got to move on. You got to find something else or maybe stop writing. I'm not sure, but. He needs to pick something. He needs yeah. to pick something before he ruins his legacy. And that thing is director. Dude, 300 and Sin City were so fucking good. It's crazy to Dude, think we're talking Watchmen. about the same guy. Watchmen, too. Like, his like early catalog yeah. is fucking fire. He was like the first Christopher Nolan. He, he was, was like, like, like he was, was like the guy that couldn't fuck up. He like he came out with a banger <laughs> like every time, you know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It really is. Uh, I am gonna give it a Chucky though. I understand why you gave it a Michael Myers, but I'm gonna go Chucky just because there are a few things about this movie that I really loved. And first and foremost is the quote unquote retro surrealism. There were scenes in this movie that just took my breath away. Like all the planets, all all of the CG, and and usually with planet CG, I will get really precious about it. I'll look at it and be like, that looks stupid. That looks fake. What the fuck were you doing? Every time they went to a new planet, I looked at it, I'm like, that's fucking beautiful. That that looks like straight out of a fever dream. If if I were like dreaming of Blade Runner on cocaine or something, you know, it's just like it was great. I loved all the cinematography. I loved these special effects. I loved most of the action scenes. The real big thud, the big zero here is the fucking writing. The writing was uneven. The pacing was uneven. And it's not a complete movie. It just isn't. There is no complete movie here. A New Hope, as you said earlier in the review, is a complete movie. This is not a fucking complete movie. And you know what? Maybe part two... If you combine part one and part two, our powers combined, we're a full movie. But right now, all we have is part one, and it's not a fucking full movie. So I'm going to have to give it a Bride of Chucky. They're gonna, the only way to save this is if part two is good, then they merge them. Mm-hmm. And then delete the first part like it never existed and don't allow people <laughs> to even talk about it. Like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You yeah. Have this. this is the version. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. And with that, we'll close out. But as we close out, broadcaster, I want to ask you one final question. If and when the quote-unquote Snyder Cut of Part 1 is released, will you watch it? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to say that's, that's, that's so I could say I told you so to yep. myself. Like, I fucking knew it. I told you it was going to be fucking garbage. <laughs> Just wasted another fucking four hours of your life. Congratulations. Oh, it's like you want to give the guy a chance. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's starting to feel like he doesn't fucking deserve it. <sighs> yep.
but how many big fucking Hollywood movies have I made? So who fucking cares? <laughs> yeah, well, by that logic, reviews shouldn't exist, and no reviewer is legitimate unless, you know, Quentin Tarantino goes out and reviews Zack Snyder, well, which would be awesome. Quentin. Could you imagine <laughs> Quentin Tarantino doing a review podcast where he reviews other people's shit? And- well, oh, didn't, God. didn't Quentino famously say movie critics are like the scum of the earth or mm-hmm. something like that? His <laughs> yeah. No, dude, more than that, he said his final movie is going to be about movie critics. He said that in an interview a long time ago. He said, I'm going to I'm going to have a set amount of movies. And when I do my very final movie, it's going to be about movie critics. And when you extrapolate based on his previous movies, Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be be fucking amazing. (laughs) I can see him already. He's probably been writing this for like a millennia in his head. He's contemplating the different ways he can murder all of the movie critics in his head. (laughs) 